Hey guys, so when you listen to the podcast and you hear the title SSAW Live Sports Podcast presented by the Craft Factory, you're probably wondering, what does the SSAW stand for? Well, it stands for Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide. It's a huge Facebook group community that only talks about sports all day, every second, every hour. And from there, make sure that you type in the letters SSAW or just type in the full name Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide on Facebook. When you click on it, make sure you put a request in. One of the founders will click on your request. And from there, you join a huge community that loves to simply talk about sports every day and every second. We talk about a wide variety of things from basketball to football to soccer to everything, you name it, even world wrestling entertainment, everything under the sun. We love to talk about it because we simply just love sports. So again, it's a Facebook group, a huge community that's waiting for you. Make sure you type that name in and we'll welcome you wholeheartedly. Welcome to SSAW. They still have me going to work, though. Yo, yo, yo. I So during this episode, I got the most backhand slap email I could have possibly gotten. My my like my law firm literally just sent an email saying, "Oh, by the way, staff members are gonna start working from home, and these are like the staff members we decided to work from home." And on that listed name, Daniel Lopez is not on that list, which means my ass get up tomorrow morning go to fucking work. That's wow. just that's cold blooded. I I mean, can I sue? I probably can't, but if I could, I would. Wow. How's it going, man? Hoping, oh, hoping everyone out there is clean. I hope everybody out there is uh, staying safe from this whole coronavirus thing. Nick, Rob, how you guys doing? Yo, what's going on, man? We're doing good. Hoping we can reach all them quarantine fans out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I got Kelly's around me getting quarantined. I'm not yet, but I'm sure I'll be next. Oh, man. So, so I got to ask you, man. It's Right now, we're supposed to be in the middle of spring training, right around the time where the stars start getting some more at bats where the rosters start trying to figure themselves out man how are you guys dealing with this whole base, baseball draw right now mm, i'm playing the show man <laughs> i think i think that's one of the things that's keeping me sane i can focus on something else you know try to try to build up my teams on on the video game and stuff like that but yeah, i think being a baseball fan it's definitely difficult you know you want to see um you kind of become accustomed to the guys that are up on the on the major league roster for your squad but you kind of want to see those lower grade prospects as well and see how they did in spring training so i think the fact that they you know essentially canceled all the spring training um is going to impact some of these guys you know and probably our opinion of them as well oh 100 100 and I, I think it helps a lot of teams to just get some guys back to healthy especially as yankee fans like i think we could if we could, you know, start the season off in July and get some oh, more guys. Dude, it's amazing. Paxton, it's going to be like Paxton was never hurt. Like, Judge was never hurt. <laughs> like, the only, I think the only guy who is probably out, well, Severino's out for the entire year, and then maybe Hicks is a, is out for a little longer than that. But at the very least, Paxton and Judge should be fine by the time the season starts. For real, man, I can't, I can't wait for the Yankees to win, like, 50 games and be in, like, the wild card. I mean, be in the, you know, win, win the division because that's how many games they're going to play. And then people are going to say, they wouldn't have done it if every if they, if we started the season on time. Anyway, oh, Nick, how you handling this, dude? Uh, I mean, as best I can, I'm going to watch the spring training and start seeing some of the guys that, you know, we're expecting to see a few more innings from pitching-wise. 
that's usually what I try to watch. The hitters, they, they either have their groove or they don't. I've heard so many hitters say that they get their feel back in 15 games or 15 swings. I've heard hitters say they don't, no matter how long they're in spring training, they don't get their feel back because it's not the real thing. So pitchers is more what I watch during spring training. But, I mean, for me, I'm spending extra time in my fantasy baseball league. So if and when they ever happen, you know, I'll be, I'll be ready for it. But that is almost like a worthless point right now just because who knows when fantasy baseball drafts and whatnot would happen. But... Now it's just, you know, digging a little more stats, trying to learn a little bit more about the game from the analytics side and, you know, just reading a few more extra articles on MLB.com. Yeah, man, look at that, dude. Yeah, and that being said, like, if you were a GM of a major league franchise and right now your job is to, you know, do everything possible, first of all, to make sure your players and their families are safe. But, you know, a close second to that is you, you want to make sure that your team is in the best position whenever we do start these games. So I'll ask each of you guys individually. I'll start off with you, Rob. If you're if you're Brian Cashman or if you're one of these GMs out here, what are you trying to tell your team? What kind of plan are you trying to set up so that when it comes to you know the games being real and we're done with whatever is going to happen with spring training, where do you think? What do you think the team should be doing? What do you think that team should be thinking? And just how would you handle the situation? I mean, I don't I don't know if there's necessarily you know one correct answer because we don't. We don't have exact statistics in terms of when we're expecting the season to start. I mean, I know some some articles are saying mid-May, whether that whether it's June or whatever. You know, we don't know how many games are actually going to end up being played for the season. Um, but you know what? I think I think now it's it's just like you said. It's about uh, remaining safe for the for the players for their families. I think as an organization, you just not you know not just the players, but you want to keep everybody in your organization safe. But I think. When you actually start to think about it, I think the real test for a general manager probably starts before all of this happens, because I, I guarantee you this, a lot of the teams that built up a lot of depth up to this point are looking a lot better now, because especially in a shortened season, I mean, let's say, you know, this just throwing an estimate out there, but let's say we end up playing like 110, 120 games. I mean, there are teams who, who are stocked up. You know, I'm looking at a team like the Cincinnati Reds who are probably looking even better now than they were before with all that depth that they have. Um, you know, we just talked about the Yankees. What this does for, for a lot of the health for a lot of teams, you're expecting to, to get a lot of players back that you didn't necessarily think you would have for the first, you know, month, month or two of the season. So now it's almost like nothing changed. Um, I, but yeah, like I said, I, I think the test for a general manager starts before all this. It, you shouldn't wait to to necessarily have a situation like this for to kind of like evaluate your team. I think you you should have been making moves beforehand, and you should now is when you really see the guys who really set up their teams in a, in a in a good position to compete. And you know whether whether it not be compete or not, at least in a position where a team could be better, whether that's a ten game improvement or or anything like that, you know. Um, there's a lot of GMs that made right moves. There's a lot of GMs that made wrong moves. I think we're going to start to see some of those moves play out as, uh, you know, guys have this break and, you know, kind of how Nick alluded to, I'm, I'm paying attention for, to those pitchers now. You know, we don't know what this break from pitching is going to do for them. Sure, you can you can have your workouts and things like that, you know, in, in solitary confinement, I guess. But I don't think it's the same as, you know, facing live batters, facing live major league batters and keeping your arm fresh. So... I think there's there's just too many components to look at, um, but I, I like I said, I definitely think that that we're going to start to see some of those moves that GMs made earlier in the off season um, start to pay off, especially in a shortened season. Dude, honestly, I think you know biggest W for any team out there. If you're the Nationals and you kind of you know overuse your your starting pitching like like last postseason like you did, 
man, are you happy you're going to have this little extended little break, you know what I mean? And granted, that's not, doesn't, you know, you want to be playing baseball. I'm not saying that you're, you're happy because you're not playing, but, you know, guys like Scherzer, who I had, you know, I had real injury concerns coming in. Guys like Strasburg, who have been injured, you know, throughout his career. Even someone like Patrick Corbin, who threw as much as he did last season. These are guys that now you kind of get that normal rest period that you didn't have normally, you know what I mean? That extra month of baseball, you're kind of, you know, taken aback because now you have two months of the time that you you would be playing baseball. So, yeah, it, it's definitely going to be interesting how it plays out. I, I actually, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. That's, that's, all, that's all I can really say right now, man. Nick, what, what about you? How would you, if you were head of a team, how would you manage this, this time right now? Well, the start, you definitely stole my point for the Nationals. We haven't had a repeat champion since the Yankees in, what, the early 2000s, late 99, or late 90s. So this really gives the Nationals a good chance to repeat because the pitching staff is such a vital point. I was going to be that later, later on the podcast. But if I was a GM, I mean, it really would depend on who I am the GM of. If I am the GM of the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Astros and teams that are looking to win and have serious injuries on their pitching staff. I mean, I would tell these guys, look, we're going to have at least two weeks to get ready for the season. If not more, just take the time off, just rest. Don't try to stay in shape. Go ahead and take the time, rest up. Let's get, let's get you back to square one completely healthy instead of pushing through it because we don't know when we're coming back. And for the other guys, especially pitchers, I would tell them to start being ready. And as a former pitcher, I can tell you that, while throwing bullpens and throwing live BP doesn't get you game ready because there's just certain things you can't duplicate from an arm strength standpoint, it absolutely does. Throwing a hundred pitch, 120 pitch bullpen with, where you sit in between pitches and simulate a game or throw to hitters up there that are actually swinging the bat can arm strength wise with long toss absolutely get you ready for the season from a being lengthened out standpoint your accuracy and your adrenaline handling that definitely a lot different but for other teams that wouldn't be in it man honestly i hate to say it but i would your your trade deadline changes so i would really be looking at building in the future if you weren't going to win this year already over a 162 there's no way you're going to win and i agree with rob i think the games this year played are going to be about 110 to 120 so you really got to think of what that does in the shortened season. And honestly, these teams, all the depth, it doesn't help them. This this shortened season, if that's what it ends up being, this helps out the teams that don't have depth because the depth helps out over 162 where you can handle the injuries, you can handle the setbacks, you can handle, you know, the little twinge in a game and sit a guy a couple of bats early. Whereas if you're only playing 110, 120, like you don't need that much depth, really. If you got guys that are just healthy through the year and you don't have to sit them, the thing that'll be interesting is if they try to cram the games in or if they stick with the same rest that they were planning on having, which is about 25 games a month on average. That's going to be very interesting how they play that out. Do they want to extend it past, um, you know, like into Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve and play, try to play a full year? And how does that affect next year? Do they just do the shortened season? But if I were the GM of a winning team, I would tell anybody that's even slightly injured, look, just sit until we get any more news. Like, don't lift weights, like do your running do your strength exercises that like from rehab, but don't lift weights, you know, don't do plyometrics. Don't go out there throwing, don't go out there swinging and hitting. You're going to have plenty of time to do that. And for the guys that are in good shape, you know, it would just be a matter of just stay healthy. Don't do anything stupid. Don't try to game simulate, just build up your strength as much as you can and try to get your endurance going for a regular season type of situation, because they're going to have at least two weeks, if not more to get ready for the season when they resume. Yeah, man, look, it, and you can look at it both ways. I, I'm actually going to take this time to to look at it in 
in uh, an experimental way. And by that, I mean, we know baseball traditionalists and just baseball people in general, they're accustomed to this 162 game season. And I think that some people can make the argument, or maybe they've been trying to make the argument that the regular season can be shorter. Because let's be honest, we, we do love those one game playoffs in September, but can we make that in like 82 games? Instead of 162, what, what do you guys think about potentially this being an experiment to shorten the season, uh, you know, eventually? And I'll start with you, Nick, because you're more traditional than Rob a little bit. Uh, for sure, more traditional. And I, I think this is the year to take the chance on seeing what works. And in all honesty, I wouldn't look at the ratings because you are, I mean, it's definitely going to be a shortened season. I don't see, <clears throat> without putting players in injury risk, I don't see how you make this a full season. Uh, you either need to shorten this season completely or semi-shorten this season and next season. Let's just say we come back June 1st. You know, Hopefully everything works out and we're back on the field June 1st. You could easily play 120 games between June 1st and the end of the regular season, run the playoffs like you normally would, and just move on like it's you, know, you just cut off the 40 games. Do you want to do that or do you want to play 144 this year and 144 next year and start spring training a little bit later next year if you push back the World Series this year? So that would be the experimentation to do. But if if I were the league, what I would push for would be keep the season short at 120 games. Don't extend it so that you're cutting next year short and try the things that you wanted to try. And everybody's got the same rules. So, you know, you can try a shorter pitch clock. You can try keeping somebody in the box the entire bat. You can try the DH in both leagues. Uh, the number one thing that I would do if I was league is I would take out all interplay all interleague play this year. I would keep it all just in the division. All National League plays National League. All American League plays American League. Because as fun as those games are, in one sense of the word, they're they're not essential to the outcome of the season when it comes to who should be in the playoffs. And instead of playing whatever 20 games, you know, against the other league, you take those out and now you're only losing 20 of your interleague games versus 40 of them. So I think that would be a big deal, but I would I would experiment with things. I don't want to see the DH in both leagues, but I would absolutely give it a try and see what National League teams think after they've tried it in a 120-game sample instead of a full year. Um, you know, I don't want the electronic strike zone, but if there was a year to try it, this would be it. Anything that's experimental that's got a lot of pushback, I think is a good year to try it, but you don't look at fan engagement because with the season being short, you're already going to have more people watching the games more than likely. So... Uh, if you judge it based off ratings or attendance, while it could be the reason, it's very unlikely that it's not. It's just the fact that baseball is back and people are watching it. All right, man. Yo, Rob, what do you got to piggyback off that? Yeah, I, I agree with what a lot of what Nick said. I think this is the year to experiment if you're going to do it. Um, you know, a point that you alluded to earlier is I, I'm just looking forward to see how a lot of people are going to talk about this season because I think that, that a shortened season – um, if, if we, let's say if we get the 120 games, for example, uh, I think it's going to skew the way a lot of people talk about this season in terms of, you know, guys who win awards, numbers for guys. Um, there's not going to be, there's not going to be a, a real comparison realistically, like whoever, whoever ends up winning like the AL MVP or the AL Cy Young or whatever, like that's just going to be based on a, on a super, super low sample compared to what we're used to. I mean, you, you think about it, those 40 games, I mean, you're essentially talking about 42 games that essentially could get cu cut out. That's that's about 25% of the season. Those those games make a difference. Like, those games make a difference in an award race. Those games make a difference in a, in a playoff race. You know, that that is the difference between a team making the postseason and not. 
um, we could be in store for some crazy numbers, not necessarily in, in like a home run department because we obviously we know if you play more games, you have more chances to hit home runs, but we can be in, in uncharted territory in terms of like batting average. You know, you look at a guy like Cody Bellinger, he had that fall off last year going into the second half. But I mean, with 120 games, if you're as hot as Cody Bellinger was last season, do you maintain a 370 average for the entire year? You know, do you maintain a 380 average? And then how, I'm just looking forward to see how, how our opinions change based on the numbers that we see for this season. Um, I don't think it's going to be a season that's necessarily going to dictate like what the changes that are going to be upcoming for, for Major League Baseball. I do think Major League Baseball should cut down its season. Um, I think it should still be at least a 140 game minimum, um, depending on what changes they make in the future. I don't think it should, you know, drastically lower to 120 games um, because then to me, that just changes the way that we look at at like stats as a whole across the board that essentially it creates it creates um i guess if you want to say like like even like a third era of baseball player you know like like there's a certain era that we look at now when we're looking at stats for a lot of guys um especially with pitching you know like you you go look back and you know you have guys who are throwing complete game, like in the 1900s guys who are throwing complete games all the time you know 300 400 500 wins um, you know, and that that's like its own era. Then you kind of have like this era that that we're looking at now. And then potentially you're talking about shortening the season moving forward. That's going to be less games for players to play. That's also going to skew the stats a certain way. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be an interesting season. I think they should definitely experiment. Um, but I think there's going to be probably a lot of heated debate in terms of what teams make the postseason, what team ends up winning the title um you know what team ends up winning awards like i could barely like like look at it this way dodgers fan this goes to the dodgers fans in the group the dodgers may very well end up winning the world series this year and a lot of people are going to argue that they did it you know based off the shortened season because it wasn't it like no matter who wins it wasn't like a full 162 game season and i know that's not necessarily their fault it's just the view that a lot of baseball fans are going to have where it's like, look, if you're playing 120 games, this isn't what we're used to, um, you know, or even close to to, you know, a standard where it's like, oh, we're going to lower it to 150 or whatever. Since it's not what we're used to, there's going to be a lot of people that have the argument that whatever awards are won, to, are won this year or titles won this year might not necessarily be legit, um, although they are more legit than, you know, the Astros title, for example. But, um, you know, in a shortened season, like, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Man, like, I'll say this. Uh, the shorter the season is, I think the worse off it is for, like, the Dodgers. And the, the reason why I say this is, like, the one problem I have with baseball and why I wouldn't mind it expanding, I mean, not expanding, but it having less games during the season is that because the season is so long and because Nick knows as a pitcher, it can take such a toll on your arm that a lot of times we have guys who – aren't major league pitchers who straight up just aren't major league pitchers pitching major league innings and you know if you're a team like the Dodgers if you're a team like the Yankees if you're a team like if, if you have a lineup like the Red Sox do like those are teams that are absolutely going to feast on guys that shouldn't be up there but when you have a shorter season it makes it that much more important to put your best guys out there and that means that you know what if we're, we're going to have let's say 100 games Holy shit, is that a sprint compared to what baseball usually is? And that means that you have that much less games for, forever. Because you know what? Let's be honest. Like we, we say this all the time. There's a lot of teams, and this is not just the Dodgers. I'm just, we just, you just mentioned the Dodgers. So I picked them up. A team like the A's, 
that is a team that cherry picks wins like nobody else. Where at the end of 162, they're going to have enough wins and you know they're going to go forward. And they're happy with that. That's all that they're, that's all they're set up to do. They're not set up to, to have deep postseason runs. Like, I'm sorry if anyone has any sort of different debate, but the truth is that's how their team is set up. Set up you know what I mean? You can look back at that trade for John Lester when they let go of the only good offensive player on their team and they said, look, statistically, this helps us more technically, so let's go with this. And it just didn't work out. It actually failed miserably. So the, the shorter the season is, the better that teams that are set up for, like, you know, one game wins, which uh, it's a lot more teams than, than, than you'd think. You know, they have the advantage. The Nationals are the perfect example of that last year. Where the Nationals are the perfect team set up for, for a short series. But, yeah, man, look, l- l- let's keep going with this, man. If, if you guys had one, one proposal, you, you get one proposal for this, for this season, what would that proposal be? And, Nick, I, I'll start with you. <clears throat> I would take out the interleague games for the year. That would be, I mean, if, okay, that's the one you stick with. Yeah, I mean, it's well only because it would make the season the most legitimate. So when you talk about a title not meaning much, I think that would make it the most meaningful because you're not wasting games. And waste is a bad word, but when you're talking about a shortened season, if you're playing the other league, you really are wasting games. It's not going to really show you how good you are against the teams in your division. Um, so for me, it would be that. Um, if I had to choose a second one, man, as much as I don't want to see it. I would I would do the electronic strike zone. Um, just see if it speeds up the game. See how the players react to it. Um, they're already going to have enough excuses for this year as to why it wasn't right. This could be just another one. Um, so I, I guess that would probably be my other one. But to your point of the Dodgers, you know, even if they won this year, you know, not meaning much. I think the same goes for the Yankees. Like any team, wow, that's good. I, I think if they win it this year, it's going to almost be like, nah, you didn't really win one. But I also think that this is the one year where teams that aren't deep or teams that have a lot of injuries could really come through. So in, in that sense, if the Dodgers and Yankees did win it, it actually would give them to me even more legitimately because all of the Moneyball teams, all of the analytic teams, the Rays, the A's, the Dodgers, uh, the Yankees to an extent, you know, the Twins now, all of these teams that are set up and from an analytic standpoint, they're set up to win. They have the highest probability of winning a game. And when you do that over a long stretch, you're going to win the most games. It does nothing for you in a short series. We've talked about that a couple of times. So if one of those teams actually did win the World Series this year, assuming we have one, I think it would just give them more legitimacy that this plan could work, even though it really doesn't, because you're going to have teams that can just run a sprint. Be I think the playoffs would be more representative of the actual best playoff teams rather than the teams that can get the most wins, if that makes sense. To your point about the A's, they kind of just get enough wins through the year to make the playoffs, but they're not a good playoff team. I think the shortened season would really give you the best playoff teams, like literally give you the 10 best teams that could actually win the World Series. Yeah, and, and I have to agree with you on that, man. And I know, look, it's, it's one of those such nuanced concepts where it's not like the NFL, it's not the NBA, where, you know, the best player isn't always dominant that night. You know what I mean? With baseball, it really is about, you know, how consistent can you be over 162? And that's what kind of makes baseball different in, in, in its own way. But, you know, it's still a different game when you make up, you know, when you put one one game versus one game, you'd pick a lot of different players than you do now based off what we see, you know, season stat-wise. Yo, Rob, what about you, man? If, if you had one thing you could implement this season, what would you implement? Yeah, I, I would have to agree with the interleague play. I just think it's a, I think it's a component that's not going to make that much of a difference um, in terms of, of the league. You know, they're, they're already to such a minimal level that you could just pretty much take them out. I think a lot of the teams, whether you're talking AL or NL, 
I think they're built kind of like to beat the teams that are in their league. Um, they kind of worry about the postseason once the once the postseason comes, you know, because essentially you're not really facing if you if you take out interleague play, you're not facing a, a team from another league until you get to the World Series. Um, so, you know, it, it gives those teams a lot more chance to to focus on on the teams that they're going to be facing a majority of the time. And how you you know how you were talking about earlier, I think not necessarily in terms of of ratings. I don't want to speculate, you know, what the ratings would be, but this this shortened season increases the importance of every single game like every single game that is going to be played i mean yeah you could be talking about it's one game out of 100 but like yeah like every single game gets raised in importance because that is the difference between you making the postseason or not like there are that many less games for you to make mistakes like you can't you know you can't be one of these super teams where you could just go off and be like oh i lost eight games in a row like those eight games in a shortened season could keep you out of the postseason like that, we're we're gonna see a lot more games, um, you know, in which people are tuned in. They're tuned into a lot to a lot more series, especially if the series stay within their own league. And I think another change that I would potentially think about making is, um, you know, I think I think that this year they're already going with the expansion of the rosters, but they might think about expanding the rosters even more just for this season, maybe up to twenty eight players per roster, um, because. You know, we're, we're, we're essentially going on break here. We don't know when these players are going to come back. We don't know how fresh these players are going to come back. They're, they're going to have a break after they just went through spring training. Um, so it might be a benefit to them to maybe have 28 players on the team, you know, have a couple more batters in there um, while guys get accustomed, while guys find their swings. You know, some guys, some guys need to be out there for long periods of time before they find their swings. Some guys, you know, need a little break here and there. So that might be another uh, route that they decide to take is maybe expanding the rosters um, this season just to see how that plays out. Yeah, and, and that could definitely work. I think it, it's going to depend on how long the – because they're going to have a spring training. Like They're not just going to go into game one. There, there will be – even if it's just two weeks, there will be some kind of spring training before before the teams start up, man. And, and look, man, I, I, I got to say for me, for me personally, I'm not against MLB changing its history and going towards a shorter season. I think when it comes down to, I think every sport except for football suffers from this, and that's having the best game every single time out there. I know the NBA gets sometimes where where you don't have necessarily the most competitive games because it's the middle of March or it's the beginning of February, and your team's kind of just they're kind of just coasting. Baseball has that problem too, where all of a sudden you have a stretch and your team hasn't won. You know, maybe maybe they lost seven out of ten games, but they're still in first place just because you can do that in baseball because the season is so long. And and, and I don't know, man, but let, let's just give a little before, bit. Before we move on from that one, two oh, things right. on that one. Number one Go is ahead. if they did shorten the season, they'd have to go back to 153, which was the number of games before they went to 162. The major reason I don't agree with that is you've had 162 for so long, and baseball is so steeped in comparison in its history that it would be – it would be so wrong for future generations to not have that greatest of all time argument or that real true comparison argument with some of the former players. I know there's a lot that's changed technology wise. There's a lot that's changed sports medicine wise where you have those debates anyway. But I mean, career numbers going from 153 game sample to 162 game sample yeah. would be detrimental to, in my opinion, to the future of the game to where it would reverse any popularity because the new the new kids, the new ages would be talking to their dad and their grandpas about how good this guy is. Like, yeah, that's great, but he can't even play the extra nine games a year. He can't be that good. The other part that you said that, no, oh, sorry. 
no, I mean, I would say like that's that's where I disagree. I think that's where baseball has to stay away from. Like I understand that right now baseball has a very sensitive base where it's mostly the older generational older generation watching it. Like that's just statistics. The statistics say that you know the younger you tend to be, the less likely you are to watch baseball. At least as far as what what they have and whatever metrics they use, ratings wise, whatever the hell. I, I'm not sure about what ratings they use, but that's their data that they've put out there. Yeah. My thing is, look, my, my my thing is this: you have to have a change somehow, and the game is altered anyway. We talk about the we talk about the what's it called the Super Bowls being used right now, where you have guys averaging you you have literally mediocre hitters averaging over twenty home runs a, a year, and that's this is this is a point in baseball where we've never been before, where we want to say that amount of power, but realistically. We know it's not the amount of power. We know that there's been things altered to make those numbers come true. So, like for instance, and this is not to shit on anybody, you know. What I mean, Mike Trout, um, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts. Some of these guys aren't guys that traditionally would be forty home run hitters. You know what I mean? Like Mookie Betts in particular, he's a guy who I believe that he played in the you know nineties to early two thousands. He's a guy that you're lucky if you're hitting twenty two homers, and if he did hit twenty two homers, you take that and run with it. You know what I mean? So we're at an age where the homer number, like we, we get it. Like you have to put up for, for a career. We don't know where Cody Bellinger is going to be 18 years from now, but it's kind of already getting a little bit, um, you know, confused with what historical, you know, historical things mean with it. You know what I mean? But anyway, what, what were you saying before I, I cut you uh, off? So the other part that I was going to go after is, is the, when you talk about, you know, not always getting the best game. The one thing that I'll argue to my dying day about baseball over all the other sports is you don't need your star player to have a historical night. And you have so many no-hitters by guys that you don't even remember. I mean, you have Dallas Braden, who's famous for three things. A long beard on his telecast now, telling A-Rod to get off his mound, and a random perfect game on Mother's Day. Like, you don't need to be a good team to have a dramatic, memorable, historical night. You don't even need to be a major leaguer for more than one game to really be remembered in the annals of the game. And that's what's different to me than football. You don't really have a historical game from a shitty team or a shitty player, typically. You know, you definitely don't have that in, ba- in basketball. I mean, I'm not a big basketball guy, but I can't think of any historical night by a guy that's really a no-name guy. It's always from the Jordans, the Kobe's, the LeBron's. You know, it's from the guys that you know that are Hall of Famers or perennial All-Stars. And you don't need that in baseball. So, like, you know, the 162, while it's a grind, it's also special every single night across anywhere in the nation where you have your teams playing and the other thing that i think baseball misses if they take away games they become less of the blue collar sport i mean baseball is the closest thing to playing every day just like somebody goes to work every day compared to any other sport and that links with a lot of people and i think what they missed a few decades ago when football got more popular was they didn't advertise and they didn't try to build the game for kids to play it like football did football really did a good job of getting their youth to play more, giving more leagues, giving equipment, making it affordable for anybody to play, changing it to flag football in areas where they couldn't get real equipment. Football did such a good job of getting kids to play, which then got their parents to the field, which took them off of the television, but they still got to see the game. Baseball needs to get back to finding any way possible to getting kids on the field, getting them equipment, making leagues, making travel ball more accessible, more affordable, so it's not just for the wealthy kids. If they did that, their viewership will come back because it's not the eight-year-olds watching the game. It's the 30-year-olds, the 40-year-olds, the 50-year-olds. But if they were spending their 20s and 30s going to their kids' football game instead of their kids' baseball game, 
they're not going to be locked into baseball. They're locked in whatever sport they were going to. And that's where baseball misses big. They need to make it accessible and affordable to all kids. So their parents are there watching it. And that becomes a sport when they grow up, they're watching because they're home watching instead of watching their kids on the field. Yeah, look, and since, since we're kind of quarantined, I always, I always wanted to do a youth baseball and what that means for for the MLB because I love that topic. I, that is one of my, my favorite subjects. So if not if not next episode, one of the episodes while we're locked in here for the next few weeks, I definitely want to have a full episode just on that just because I think it's something very important and something that I think would be really beneficial for our parents sure. to have too. But yo, Rob, uh, on, on this topic, man, you, you got anything to say? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I think we're I think we're gonna have to see how 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 this season this season goes. I think the the point that that um <laughs> excuse me. I think that the point that that Nick was making about not necessarily needing you know a star player in baseball is a really good one. I do agree with. I mean, <laughs> I mean, for I for me specifically, I remember like Galagara, for example, and his missed perfect <laughs> game <laughs> off off the error of uh of Jim White, you know. Like that, that to me is like one of the most iconic moments of like the last decade um, in, in terms of baseball where he just like stares at Jim White. So I definitely agree with that point. I think I think that's one of the benefits of baseball. You have so many players, um, so many big things that can be done on any random night. Um, you know, that that's why I'm saying like we're, we're in a position here where with a shortened season, I mean, we might be seeing some some historical things take place. Once again, I don't think it'll come from the home run department. Because obviously, when you cut that many games, you're going to cut down on the number of home runs, uh, you know, across the board. Like, sure, in a 120 game season, you'll probably still have your 30 home run hitters and stuff. But we're probably not going to see a 50 home run hitter this year. Um, we didn't see one last year, but there, there were some guys who were definitely close. Um, and I think I think if anything, we're going to see an increase in, in batting averages just because you you have that decrease in games that, you know, guys. Yes, they can add on to that hit total, but they can also, you know, get out and strike out and have that batting average lower. So I think that's one of the things we're going to see in this season is just higher batting averages across the board. Um, I'm trying, like, like I said, I'm trying to see how the pitchers do this season. Um, in, a, in a shortened season, you're probably going to see guys making what, like, maybe like 20 starts, 22 starts, um, compared to what they usually make. Um, and I, I think this is also a year where, where we're going to see a lot of those teams that have strong bullpens benefit. You know, I think teams with strong bull, bullpens arm can can give their pitchers even more rest. You know, you, yes, you have the argument that you can say that pitchers can go out there and pitch more because they know that they're not going to have to pitch, you know, that many that many starts for the year. But I would honestly just rest my pitchers even more if, if, if I'm going to be honest with you. If I have a strong bullpen, I'm throwing my bullpen out there um, if I know that they can handle it. And then I'll have my starting pitchers even more ready for when the postseason comes. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, man, this season, this season is kind of making me think <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to, to some of those postseason teams too. Like we, we might be seeing some surprises, like, like, like to me, this might be one of those years where, you know, I've been here for the, for the longest time being like next year is the White Sox years. I don't know if the White Sox just sneak in there and take the central this year, you know, for example, in, in a shortened season like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's definitely going to be interesting. I think this this shortened season brings up a lot of possibilities for baseball. Um, like we discussed, I, th I think it's a great year for them. If they want to experiment, the time to do it is now. There's there's not going to be any other time to to necessarily get your experiments in, in which, you know, it's essentially an experiment for everyone. Everyone's kind of going to be watching. Everyone's kind of going to be open to the ideas of, of you experimenting because they, they have a shortened season. Um, so I think you're going to be seeing a lot less negative opinions if they get those experiments out of the way now. 
and then it can help them to see, you know, what benefits it brings to the game and what they want to keep moving forward. Yeah, look, you mentioned the White Sox. This is this is a great time for them. Just like you said, they can sneak in, you, you, and they have the pitching to do that. You know what I mean? A team like yeah. the Rays. This is a year where the Rays. Nah, you don't strike the Rays. <laughs> the Blue Jays. This is this is a this is no seriously like. This is a year where if, let's say you bring Nate Pearson up and you start him off from day one and you go, you know, you go him, you go Ryu, you find somebody else to throw some innings back there and you don't know, you can sneak in and make some noise. You know the offense is going to be there, or at least you hope the offense is going to be there. And then on the on the NL side, man, like, like I don't know, we always say how good the Padres have top-end kind of prospects, but we don't know how they're going to do it throughout the season. Well, look, this is as short a season as you're going to get. Like, if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket this might be that basket so i, I don't know i think teams are gonna have a you know they have some decisions to make like do you do you want to go all for it this year because with the shortened schedule we might be able to actually get away with it you know what i mean so yeah i mean i have no idea i i think it's gonna be yeah. really interesting since, since you brought up prospects too i think you know on a on a less glamorous topic um which you know it, it isn't what a lot of people are focusing on but i do think it's going to be interesting to see how uh the major league goes about you know not just paying these guys, but essentially working on the negotiations in terms of, you know, MLB service time and things like that. You know, now with a shortened season, how that how that's going to impact prospects, their time on a roster, their ability to become free agents, how to, you know, their ability to to move closer towards getting big paydays and things like that. I think on a lower scale, that that's something to pay attention to as well. You know, this this, this essentially adds, well, I guess it does add a little bit of time to to a prospect's time with with any particular team. Yeah, actually, Felipe Felipe mentioned it on, or he asked on like the website. He's like, "Hey, look, what happens with Mookie Betts if we if we don't play this year?" Which like, I thought we right. we do we do play this year, but you know, like if we didn't play this year, like who knows? Like I, I think I think they would still have him for a year, but that, those are questions that would have to be answered because it really does affect everyone. Like literally, everyone's contract in the MLB. And in the minor leagues, yo. So right. that being with that being said, yo, we can't leave without some bullshit. And you know that this is bullshit time. So, so yo, crack your fingers, do the, oh, your 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 mental exercise, jazzercise in your spare time, because here yeah, it comes. You ready? So over the weekend, Trevor Bauer and his uh, you know group of misfits, they said that they were going to do a, pretty much a pickup game somewhere down in Arizona since they're still out there, right? So I have to ask you guys, if we had to pick a five-man wiffle ball team, five-man wiffle ball, and you could pick any five from any generation, you could go back to Babe Ruth, Robin Yell, whoever the hell you want. Give me your five, the five guys you're picking on your wiffle ball team. And we're going to do this. We're going to have you, we're going to have Rob and Nick pick teams. So that means if Rob takes somebody, Nick can't so take that draft. person. A wiffle ball and I'm just going to judge the shit out of it. You guys are doing a draft. Wiffle ball fantasy draft here on Diamond Talk. The All right. And we're and picking hitters. Players. We're picking hitters. We're, we are picking we're picking hitters, pitchers, whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Oh, we're picking oh, we're picking five wait, okay, then we should split it up then. How about we just do like four hitters and a pitcher? Whatever the hell you guys want. I don't care. I, I, I really don't care. It's right. your teams, right? And to be impartial, we're gonna give it to our elderly person first. That's you, Nick. I have I have fingers up in my room right now. If you guess whether it's odd or even, you get first pick. Right? So the, the, ooh, you're wrong. I had four fingers up. They're even. So, Rob, that means you have first. Oh. <laughs> first of all, that's only my thumb. My thumb stubby. I don't. That's I, that's why I text stupid. 
But anyway, Rob, you got first pick, man. Who, who's your first overall wiffle ball pick? Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. Nice. Didn't he? Wasn't he just in the news this week? Something about the yeah, MLB shutting out or something. Yeah, he said it. He said the MLB gave him like a death, like a death sentence or something like that. Which you know, for anyone who's listening, Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, yes, he should. Yeah. All right, yo, Nick, you, your turn. Who you got? Ruin his clubhouse. Anybody want to play with Barry Bonds? But I'll take the the king of contact. I'll take Tony Gwynn. Yo, you know what? That's a that's a very like underrated pick for wiffle ball. That's a very good wiffle ball pick in my opinion. All right, so we got Barry Bonds, Tony Gwynn. Rob, who you got? I'm going to go with Ichiro Suzuki. Ooh, contact with contact. I see it. All right, Nick, you're up. Plastic splinter, Ted Williams. Ooh. All right, so you're going going back to the old school with it. All right, Rob. All right, so since I hit him with Ichiro and that arm in the outfield, I'm going to do the same thing again, and I'm going to go Roberto Clemente. Ooh. Ooh. And he's a pirate, so that hurts Nick emotionally. It does. It does. Or at least he should. He was, he was in my head. So I'm going right, to jump Nick, this guy three picks. slot just to uh, make sure I've got the best defender maybe ever. Mr. Javier Baez, come on down. Ooh. Ooh. He this went present day. He went present day. This is, this, this is good. I was not. I was not. This is, oh, man. All right. Yo, Rob, fourth pick. All right. I just realized I have a whole outfield right now. Uh, and all my guys are still going to find the hole. You know what? I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go with. One of the best athletes we've seen in the history of the game. And I'm going to go Alex Rodriguez. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. Is no, J-Lo included in that? Too distracting for the other team. Yeah, she no, is. That's, another, that's another she's pick a if you don't get a pitcher. Cheerleader. Cheerleader. <laughs> okay, no, then she's out then. <laughs> she's out. All right, Nick. Who's your next pitcher? get the guy that's just going to run through everybody, Mr. Ty Cobb. Ooh, oh. super way back. Hitting the time machine. I, I saw his last game. I like it. Yo, Did Rob, you're fifth. <laughs> no, no. Oh, what the hell? For real? I was say, there's no <laughs> shot. What are you, like 104 years old? Like, yeah. Nah, all right. Yo, Rob, who's your fifth and final pick? Dude, just because he has all these guys, like, that are going to be out here just hitting the ball, I'm going to have to go out here with a guy who who's one of the most dominating pitchers of all time, Mr. I Kill Pigeons himself, Randy Johnson. Ooh, Randy Johnson with a wiffle ball. That's pretty elite, though. I don't want to see that slider. All power with everything. So, you know, this is easy. I got to know somebody who knows, who's, knows what to do with the ball. I'm going to go Mr. Satchel Page. Satchel? Ooh, taking it back. I was expecting, that like... Is, that is... I was, that, I was expecting to say, Oh, like, man. Greg Actually, Maddie. to be honest with you guys, to be honest <laughs> with you guys, if said, I were to like, really pick a pitcher, I would pick my old college teammate, Jason Kelly, because I've seen him throw a wiffle ball against high-level college hitters. And make every single one of them look foolish. I mean, balls that aren't even getting to the plate they're swinging at. Shit's gross. We don't have that kind hey, of scouter report, Nick. So we hey, can't. We would be my pitcher, but if I have to go with a pro player, it'd probably be Satchel Page. I think he could probably make that ball do some crazy things. No, Tim Wake. Like, it doesn't anybody? work with a wiffle ball. Nah. Oh, that's that's interesting. I, tried I mean, that's it. true. That might be true. <laughs> wiffle balls kind of stuff. <laughs> All right. Oh man. All right. So. Before we conclude this Corona episode, which is what we're going to call these next in the dark ages, which by the way, <laughs> make, make no doubt about it. We are in the dark ages from here until the baseball season starts. This will be the Corona episodes. So consider yeah. this episode one, man, look, all right. So MLB, the show came out on Friday, right? Friday night was when it launched for, from- uh, yeah, Friday night. Yeah. Well, All no, right. actually Thursday night, Thursday, Thursday going into Friday. Thursday going into Friday for the people who paid for like the 80 bucks one or whatever. 
Yes, sir. All right, look. So this this does take some video games to account because baseball is that's the only baseball we're gonna be seeing in a long ass time. For real. Oh, g- give me give me a quick review of MLB the Show. From what I from what I've played so far, I, I think it's better than the last game. Um, I haven't played it too much. I played a lot of uh, like Diamond Dynasty. Definitely still have to get into Road Road to the Show and uh, like franchise mode. But what I do like that they did this year is that they fixed up a lot of their uh, animations, like their mechanics, like even like small things like that. I don't know. I think with me in video games, I always pay attention to like the small things. Like even if like there's like a one second pause that you get wrong from like a pitcher's like pitching stance, that kind of annoys me. I don't know. I'm just very picky like that when it comes to the video games. So there's a lot of things that they definitely improved on with the batting stances and the pitching stances. Um, I think one of the cool things about it is every year they keep adding new legends. So this year we got Gary Sheffield, we got Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, Mariano Rivera, David Ortiz. You know, I'm expecting in the upcoming years we'll probably get like the Derek Jeters and the Ichiros, maybe A-Rod in there, um, depending on how those contracts are going to work. Um, but yeah, they, they do a lot of good things. <laughs> I think one of the funniest things that they do is I'm playing Diamond Dynasty like earlier tonight and the evolution of the players is like crazy. Like I'm over here trying, I'm over here basically like if I'm on like my, on my Pokemon shit, like I'm over here trying to evolve my cards and it's like the difference between like young Pudge Rodriguez and like real deep into the nineties Pudge Rodriguez, like when he's actually pudgy is like is like good for me you know what i'm saying like you can yeah. see, see the rice and beans he was eating at that point in his career you know like I'll say. So I, I, I like that they make that that difference and you know the player models don't stay the same you know throughout all different versions of cards and things like that that is detail that pudge hoped was never gonna come oh man no, no, you, you play any video games xbox one i don't have any of those man we gotta get you on then yeah, come on man these days we gotta yeah, I know you got the kids and all Ryan Jr. and yeah, I feel you, dude. All right, man. So, so with that, I think that's the end of this coronavirus episode. Like I said, we hope you guys are safe, man. Stay indoors. Don't do anything stupid. It's not worth it. Like, th- think of like the older generation. Think about the think about the young generation too, like the babies and shit. Like, let, let's For let's real. look at one another right here. So they still have but, me going to work though. Yo, yo, yo! I look so during this episode. I got the most backhand slap email I could have possibly gotten. My my like my law firm literally just sent an email saying, "Oh, by the way, staff members are gonna start working from home, and these are like the staff members we decided to work from home." And on that listed name, Daniel Lopez is not on that list, which means my ass get up tomorrow morning and go to fucking work. That's wow. just that's cold blooded. I I mean, can I sue? I probably can't, but if I could, I would. <laughs> all right, man. All right, yo. So anyway, guys, thanks for being here. Stay safe. Follow us on. Look, even though sports are down, sports goes on twenty four seven on SAW's Facebook site. Right. So if you're missing it, go on there. Trust me, you will find someone to talk shit with. We literally just had a, <laughs> somebody get banned and reinstated in the twenty four hours. Like I'm telling you, <laughs> shit, shit goes down. We look. We're, we're having our tournament too. If you play MLB the show. We're having an MLB The Show tournament. We're having a, a Madden tournament, a 2K tournament. You know, if, if you do want to enter, just, you know, go ahead, give some, give, you know, send us an email or join the site, see if you can get in there before we start it. And, yeah, just a lot of fun stuff. We know this time this time is rough about sports. We're here to make that a little bit easier for you. So, Rob, Nick, thank you guys. Rob, go play some more MLB The Show because I know I'm going to be on that shit right now. Oh, I will. And, all right. And, yeah, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. 
anything you got, we're on. So yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys next, next time and stay safe out there. Guys, we want to thank you for listening to the Diamond Talk podcast presented by the Craft Factory. Stay tuned for the next episode. But until then, if you have any statements, comments, or you want your questions answered live on the podcast, feel free to email us at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon.